Hello, 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 guys. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It is your favorite host, well, most because I'm your only host, Jesse Vaughn. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of this podcast. Uh, I got to say, I'm awfully excited to share this one with you. Um, out of all the episodes that I've done, this is certainly going to be one of them, without a doubt. Definitely going to be a podcast here today. Um, <laughs> Uh, to give you some context for where I'm coming from today for this episode, uh, a couple weeks ago, probably about three weeks ago, um, I got a good call from the GFOPs over at the uh, Inside Quotes. Uh, GFOP, in case you're wondering, stands for Great Friend of the Pod, because those two are great friends of mine and great friends of the podcast. Um, I had those guys on back in October of last year for a cinephile survey. Uh, well, they called me, they hit me up, and I was a guest on their show where we talked about one of my favorite movies, Jurassic Park. Um, it was such a great episode. It was a whole lot of fun. It's up live now. So, like, listen to this episode and then just, like, queue up theirs for to listen to next. Like, Jurassic Park, inside quotes, it was such a blast. We had so much fun. Um, it's a really good time. This is I, I say all this to say that today's episode is going to be a continuation on that idea. Um, today I'm going to be talking about The Lost World, Jurassic Park, or uh, more colloquially known as uh, Jurassic Park 2. This film came out in 1997. I was negative one year old as this film came out. Um, it's got a Metacritic score of 59, and its average letterbox score is 3.1 stars. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, um, which I think is interesting to note because this is the last of the Jurassic Park films to be directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, we'll get to that, I think, a little bit later. But to give you a brief, well, this is one of the longer synopses that we've read, but I'm going to give you the synopsis. Um, four years after Jurassic Park's genetically bred dinosaurs run amok, multimillionaire John Hammond shocks chaos theorist Ian Malcolm by revealing that Hammond has been breeding more beasties at a secret location. I did not, side note, I did not um, add the word beasties. That is in the synopsis. Um, Malcolm, his paleontologist lady love, and wildlife videographer join an expedition to document the lethal lizard's natural behavior in this action-packed thriller. Um, so there you go. Um, it has some interesting word choice between beasties and lady love, but uh, you get the idea. So I just kind of want to talk about this film for just a little bit. Uh, let's just start with the thing I said I'd get back to. This is the last of Steven Spielberg's uh, run of Jurassic Park films. This is somewhat important because there ha there were three original Jurassic Park films, and uh, Spielberg directed the first two. And I think that there's the reason I bring this up. The reason I think it's vaguely important is because the general synopsis publicly is that the first two are the good ones, and then they all get like progressively and violently worse. After that, it's like Jurassic Park 3 is a step down from The Lost World, just as, as we'll get to in a little bit, The Lost World is a step down from Jurassic Park. And then apparently the Jurassic World movies are hot trash. Um, I've not seen the last one, but the first two are not very good. 
So this is Spielberg's last run at it, which is interesting. Um, you can still tell that Spielberg made this, like his fingerprints are kind of all over it. And that's certainly not a bad thing. Spielberg's a really fantastic director and filmmaker and I really enjoy his stuff, but like you can see like visually his fingerprints are just kind of like all over it with the way it looks. Um, but yeah. So the first thing I noted while watching this movie is that the opening scene, it, it doesn't involve any characters that we recognize. It doesn't involve any characters that even show up later on in the movie, but it's essentially like a super rich family on a beach somewhere. And the little girl runs off and sees the little thing that we recognize as a dinosaur. And then there's like kind of a whole swarm of these little, you know, rat-sized dinosaurs. And she kind of gets attacked. And that's kind of where it starts. This is how we kind of start to understand that there is a second island of dinosaurs. Um, immediately, this kind of like clicked for me as... That's a scene from Jurassic Park, the book. Um, I listened to the audiobook in preparation for the Inside Quotes episode that I did because uh, I've kind of always wanted to read Jurassic Park, and that's a really good excuse. I didn't read it. I listened to it. But still, that was a scene straight from Jurassic Park, the book, which I thought was kind of neat that they still incorporated it, even though it's the Lost World. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I think there's so much to think about this film, but it's, I don't know if there's so much to say necessarily. <laughs> um, I, the whole time this film is not bad. I think that's just kind of where I think you should just start is that it's, it's not a bad movie. Like the Metacritic scores of 59, which, you know, that's above average. It's letterbox scores you know, 3.1, which, you know, you, you set that up to a 100-point scale, that's like a 62. It's like, okay, like, consensus is pretty pretty similar around that, like, it's above average, but that's about it. Um, it doesn't, like, score super highly. No one says this is their favorite Jurassic Park movie. I'm sure someone out there does, but, like, it's clearly not a step up from Jurassic Park. And I've been thinking since I watched this yesterday, I've been thinking, why is this one, why does this feel different? Why does this feel not as good? And I can't, I can't place like anything super specifically. It's not like there's just like one thing that just like totally ruined the movie. It's, I think it's just like a, enough small things that just kind of take away slightly from the film. Like, it's, it's not anything big, it's just little, small, tiny things that just slowly deteriorate from the film, I guess. Um, one way to put it in my head is that Jurassic Park, the original, captured lightning in a bottle. I mean, really, like, everything that it does, it does so well, and it balances so neatly and perfectly that... Anything less than that just feels insignificant. And this film follows a very similar approach to the film. Um, it, of course, we have the information already that we understand that John Hammond has brought dinosaurs back to life. So we kind of get to miss a bunch of that exposition. But a lot of like the action sequences and the characters and like all this stuff, like 
it follows pretty well the same formula, but just it, it falls short. And I understand that there's something about that with a sequel. Almost no sequels are ever better than the original, and there's a reason for that, I think. There's a pretty easy reason to point to, anyways, and that's that whenever you create a sequel to a movie, it has to step up what the audience already expects. So, like, we've seen Jurassic Park, we know what to expect. We expect some suspense, we expect, frankly, some, like, almost horror with the dinosaurs, we expect characters to probably have some interpersonal conflict like we expect all these things to happen and this film delivers it says okay um you saw jurassic park we will do all of that but we're going to kick it up a notch and like they do that and and there's some pretty like clear and obvious places where they did try to just like kick it up a notch um the best scene in jurassic park in my opinion and i think kind of widely opinionated is the scene with the t-rex where there's the two cars you know the kids are in one car alan grant and ian malcolm are in the other and the dinosaur the t-rex gets out and the t-rex is looking at the cars and like that is the best scene in the movie it is super well shot it's it drives suspense so well i mean it's it is a perfect scene nothing to say like no notes perfect scene wonderful this movie said okay you all liked the dinosaur scene you like the t-rex and the cars okay what if we made the same scene where you're in more like an rv bigger vehicle but there are two t-rexes and you're like ooh, two t-rexes okay and so it's like okay here's here's our baseline we're just going to kick it up a notch you like you think one t-rex is great we'll give you two fine Um, You have that suspenseful scene where, in the original, where Alan Grant is rescuing Tim from the car that's fixing to fall out of a tree. And there's the suspense of, how do I get the kid out while the car is fixing to fall out of the tree? Like, it's, it's like, it's very simple. Very simple stuff. Like, it's not overly complicated. This film says, okay, you guys liked that. Let's do it again. Let's have this giant RV like articulate RV, it's like two RVs tied together. What if they're dangling off the edge of a cliff and it's raining and so it's muddy and the tires are just slipping and all of our protagonists are in that in that RV thing and there's only one guy that can try to save them and all this stuff's happening. And so it's like, okay, you like a car falling out of a tree, let's push an RV off a cliff. Like, baseline, kick it up a notch. And... I don't know what it is, but in all of those sequences, and there are other examples, but those are just the two that are coming to mind right now. In all of those sequences, there's something missing. Like, I think part of it is that we have an expectation now. Like, we know what happens in the T-Rex car scene in Jurassic Park. And so when the two T-Rexes show up, there's some really great stuff happening. They're shot in very similar ways, and the and the T-Rexes still look fantastic, the animatronics and the CGI. But we already know that they're going to get out safe this time. Like, we, we expect... We know what to expect because we've seen it all before. And similarly, with, like, the RVs falling off the cliff, it's like, we know you're not going to kill the three main characters, 
We're like 40 minutes into the movie. Okay, there you go. So like, it's missing something there, and like, that's fine. You know, I think that happens in, in most sequels, that once you try to ratchet up the the intensity, the, the action sequences, all this stuff, like, something gets kind of lost in the sauce a little bit. Like, something gets a little... It doesn't translate well, like, the expectations get too high and you can't really deliver. Um, and that's, that's, it's a hard thing to do. And the fact that the film still comes out as well as it does is impressive. I, that, that's just step one. Uh, I think step two is that none of the characters really get a lot of room to shine. And I think that is actually a super important part of Jurassic Park, is that all of the characters are distinct and all of the characters like feel real and alive. And they all have like room to breathe and grow and to do their own thing. And and that makes I think a really big difference. Like John Hammond, we get a lot of screen time with him. And we know what to expect and like we kind of get a feel for his mannerisms and all these things. And the same with Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler. Like the two are pretty well paired up as far as like the way that we think of them as characters. We think of one and the other together. But they both feel very real and distinct. Ian Malcolm is hilarious. And, like, he does his whole thing. And, like, we understand who Ian Malcolm is. And even, like, Dennis Nedry and Mr. Arnold, like, Muldoon. All the characters, like, they have room to breathe and to do their thing. And this film just, it doesn't have that. None of the characters feel like they had room to grow. Like they had room to, like, really do their thing, I guess. Um, like, Ian Malcolm has changed in this movie. And I think that's probably a good thing. Because you can't have Ian Malcolm go through everything he went through in Jurassic Park and stay the same. Like, clearly the character has changed, and that is good. But, like, he doesn't do enough, and they don't do enough with the way that he has grown and changed to, like, make him the lead in this char- in this movie. Like, they, they do not do enough with his character despite as much as he's changed. Like, they could have explored that a lot more, they could have done more with it than they did, and they didn't, and that's fine. But then you have Julianne Moore's character, his his lady love, as the synopsis puts it. Like, she kind of does her thing, and, like, that's cool. Vince Vaughn's in this, and, like, he kind of does his thing, and, like, that's fine, but, like, I don't really know anything about these characters. Like, they're, they don't do much, and that's fine. Like, it's okay, you know... At this point, you come to Jurassic Park for the dinosaurs, not for the characters, and I get that, and it's fine, it's whatever. But that's one of the things that made Jurassic Park so good, and so when this film doesn't deliver that, we're just kind of a little let down. And then I think part three of things I can point to that make this kind of fall off compared to Jurassic Park is the antagonist? Question mark? I guess, like, it's hard for me to to say and use the word antagonist because it's hard to say that Jurassic Park has an antagonist because as much as there are, like, good characters and bad characters in Jurassic Park, it's essentially a disaster movie. Like, everything goes wrong and the characters are trying to survive to get through it. I mean, that's really what Jurassic Park is. Like, yes, Dennis Nedry makes things a lot more complicated than it needed to be. But with the hurricane coming through, the tropical storm or whatever, things could have gone bad anyways. 
Um, like clearly Jurassic Park was not really functioning well before Nedry shut the whole system off. Like Nedry's kind of the bad guy, but like you could almost argue that John Hammond's the bad guy or the dinosaurs are the, the main antagonist. Like it's more or less a disaster movie. Fine. This movie tries to create a villain in the engine corporation. And if you haven't seen this movie, you're like what the, what in the world is engine? Well, this is like a big part of the book that Jurassic Park doesn't really delve into, but there's a lot of like business talk in the book. Engine is the corporation that John Hammond owns that did all the research and stuff for to create Jurassic Park. That is what Engine is. And so this movie begins by his nephew getting it and you know, big corporation bad is essentially it. And so like he's the bad guy. And then you have this like kind of secondary bad guy who's like, I want to hunt a T-Rex. It's like, okay, cool, dude, whatever. But creating a villain, like one person you can like singularly point to as the villain, um, I just don't think it works very well because that character just doesn't do enough to like be the antagonist. He doesn't have enough going on. He doesn't do enough to be the antagonist besides like part of what made Jurassic Park so good was that everything was going wrong and so with everything going wrong like you can't blame one person for everything that happens like there's a lot of suspense in happenstance like you run into the wrong dinosaur or uh, your your uh, <laughs> your car's fixings fall out of a tree all this stuff like it builds suspense in a lot of different ways that, of course, this film tries to copy, and I already talked about that, but trying to bring it all down to one person just doesn't really work, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I've kind of talked a lot of crap on this movie. At this point, you're probably like, why in the world should I watch this? Um, you should watch it because it's still pretty fun. Um, then th There are a lot of still nice things to say. Like, Jeff Goldblum, always a pleasure to watch in a movie. So, like, Jeff Goldblum, I think, is enough reason to watch this movie. <laughs> But it looks really good. Like like I said, Steven Spielberg still directed this. It's still really pretty to look at. Um, the story, as much as I don't think it's nearly as good as the original, is still a good story, and it's still a lot of fun to watch. The dinosaurs still look incredible. And I think part of the reason I don't talk about it so much is that there's not a lot of like face-to-face -face time with the dinosaurs, which is one of my favorite things about Jurassic Park, but whatever, I'm done making this movie sound bad uh they still rely a lot on animatronics or puppets and like that is great i think they look incredible and four years later after jurassic park the cgi got better and it still holds up super well like i'm i'm super impressed by how well the cgi dinosaurs hold up i mean it's it's a good movie it's fun and since jurassic park is one of my favorite kind of intellectual properties in general like i will definitely turn around and watch jurassic park 3 without a doubt i absolutely will but i think if you're expecting something as good as jurassic park um you're gonna be a little let down and maybe you're you're sitting here listening to this and thinking jesse you're thinking too hard you're thinking like a guy who really loves film which i am guilty whatever just sit down and have a good time and enjoy the movie if that's all you want, 
this movie is going to be perfect. You're going to love it. It's going to be fun. It's funny. Like, Ian Malcolm is still a funny character. She has a lot of really great lines. The action and the suspense still works, even though it's basically just, like, a, literally, like, one step up from the original. The suspense scenes still really work. The dinosaurs still look really good. Like, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, I think, optimistically, it's three and a half stars out of five. Like, on a good day, on its best day, it's like a seven out of ten. Three and a half stars. Catch me on a bad day, I might call it three. I don't know. Like, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. And you know what? I would certainly watch it again. So, that's my take on The Lost World Jurassic Park. I spent more time talking about the original Jurassic Park. But I just can't help myself, man. That is just one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's just one of my favorite movies, without a doubt. But, that's it. I'm not going to jump all over it any more than I already have. Back to uh, your more regularly scheduled stuff. Now that I've talked about the movie, i got to talk about something else for a little bit, because that's what I do. Um, I don't really want to talk about Watford News. I'd have, I, I've, I'm so many weeks behind now that I don't really want to look at it. But I know that Watford lost their first game in that time period. But we've also won some and drawn some, which is good. We're still ultimately playing very well. Uh, we managed to keep Ismaila Saar and Jao Pedro, which is awesome. It's really thought there for a little bit we were going to lose them both. But they're both still here, at least until January, when the transfer window opens back up again. I'll be fine. Money-wise for the club, they probably ought to sell one of them, maybe both of them, but... For now, I'm happy to have their strong presence and their goal-scoring ability on our team. So, come on, you horns. Um, Bigger news. I have not talked about this on the podcast because I just really didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it was, like, worth saying. And maybe it is. I don't know. But, like, two months ago, July 3rd, 2022 it was fourth of july weekend i was back at home uh, at my parents house and it was like a good time and i come home and i get up to go to work the next day it's tuesday because we got monday off i get up on tuesday and uh my car is gone like it's not where i parked it it is missing and i'm like what so I call the police. Well, actually, first off, I do. I, I call our landlord and say, hey, none of the cars got towed out of the parking lot this weekend, right? She said, no, I don't know what you're talking about, which is fine. Like, she didn't know what I was talking about. That's fine. Um, and I called the police and uh, filed that my car had been stolen. And I kind of sat around waiting to see if the car could be found. And the car never got found, which is like a serious bummer. You know, to have your your entire car stolen. Um, And so, the plan was that I was going to get my old car back. Uh, And that was a 2005 Ford Mustang. I used to drive that thing in college. And it was, like, the first car that was ever, like, truly mine. And so, like, I felt real romantic about it. Loved that car. Uh, Until one day, the engine kind of blew up and died. It was a really sad time for me, because I loved that car. And so when my car got stolen, trying to talk to my dad about it, like, what in the world am I supposed to do now? 
my car's been stolen. He's like, this is fine. Not a big deal. It's a solvable problem. Uh, how do you feel about having a Mustang again? And I'm like, kind of jazzed a little bit. Kind of would love that. And so we set out to put a new motor in it. And the motor was supposed to be delivered July 15th. Like, real quick. I'll be without a car for a couple weeks. It'll be fine. Uh, July 15th arrives, and they're like, hey, sorry. Um, motor won't be here till August 15th. That's a month later. And it's like, that's fine. It'll be okay. We'll get it in a month. It'll be fine. Uh, we get to August 15th, and like, hey, August 27th. Sorry. It's like, good grief, man. And so it... Long story short, I got the car this week, and I'm very, very happy about it. Very blessed. Whatever. But I had to wait a lot longer than I was anticipating. I spent almost nine weeks without a car. And that would be a really hard thing to deal with if it wasn't for the kindness and generosity of so many people in my life here in St. Louis. Um, if it wasn't for the people that I worship with at church to be so kind and generous as to let me borrow their cars, um, it had been a really hard time. And I say all this just to say that I have learned a very valuable lesson through this, um, to be kind and generous, to be willing to help people, like to what that actually looks like. It is not about helping people when it's convenient because it was not always convenient for the people that, you know, let me borrow their car for however long. Um, it certainly wasn't convenient for them, but they did it anyways because it was the right thing to do. And I have learned a valuable lesson through that, that when someone asks for help and you can help, you should. There's just no answer around it. Like it might be inconvenient for you. It may not be the easiest thing, but you should do it because it's the right thing to do. And you never know what kind of impact it can leave on the person, on the other person, just to help them out in whatever way you can. So it's, you know, I'm finally announcing my car got stolen. Now I have an, a, a car back again. That's great. But like, this is my kind of little admonition to you guys. It's just to be kind, to, to help people out when they need it. And I promise you, it'll mean the world to the person receiving the help. But paying it forward is a valuable thing. Because it's something that gets talked about all through the gospel. Is that we give to others because God gives to us. And the more we give, the more God blesses us in return for that. And it's not like we, we give to receive from God, but, you know, not trying to make this a sermon, but be good to other people because that's what we're supposed to do and it's important. So that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> um, here in like a week and a half, we are leaving for Ragnar again. Uh, that was a whole thing last year. I talked about like a whole lot leading up to the to the race. Uh, we're doing it again this year. Not doing the same race, doing a different one, but it happens to be the same weekend as last year. But uh, I haven't done any of the planning until like two weeks ago. 
So it, it all kind of happened. It's all happening pretty quickly around here. But we're doing that again, and it's going to be very fun, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'll definitely talk about it some more next week and after the race, and it'll be a blast. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the podcast for today. What did I tell you? I told you at the beginning of this episode that out of all the podcasts I recorded, this was going to be one of them. And guess what? This was a podcast, wasn't it? Told you so. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. It means a lot to me. Uh, like I said, turn around after this is over. Go listen to Inside Quotes, specifically the Jurassic Park episode, where you're going to get to hear a little more of yours truly. And those two beautiful guys over there, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park. It's a blast. really is a great time. Go check it out. Um, I feel like that's about all I got to say. And that's because it is all I've got to say. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm excited to, I'm very excited to get into spooky season. It's still the beginning of September. So like, we're not quite there. It's still awfully warm here where I live. Doesn't quite feel like fall, but boy, I'm going to be getting into some fall movies here soon. And I am excited about it. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, that's it. I think I'm going to start, I need to start using the Instagram a little more than I have been because, uh, I haven't been using it at all. And I'd love to hear from you guys. That'd be a good way to reach out. So, thank you. I'll be back next week. I promise. And uh, until then, have a good one.